rising leaders, we are in for a treat today. I have my wonderful co-host, Nyla, joining me for a conversation with the amazing engagement expert, international TEDx speaker, and executive coach, Mitch Savoy. Mitch has been such a delight to speak with in our separate one-on-one conversation, so I am super excited to share her with you all today. Mitch, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you. How are you? Thank you for having me on your podcast, and I am fantastic. Good, good, good. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you again for joining us. Um, And so to kick us off, I know our rising leaders are just curious to know a little bit about you. Um, So if you don't mind telling us, like, about your background, what got you started um, in executive coaching, um, and how you landed on the TEDx stage, um, we would all love to hear about that. Wonderful. Um, A lot of questions in there, so (laughs) I will try to give you everything in a nutshell and hope not to bore anybody to tears, but I am Mitch Savoie-Hill, and yes, leadership coach, also keynote speaker, and I started off uh, as, you know, when I was very young as a child, I was obsessed with teaching what I had learned. If I learned something, I love to teach somebody else. I love to see people be successful from my wisdom, but also from my mistakes. If they could learn from my mistakes, I thought, well, this is great, right? It's double my success or triple or however many people can be more successful from what I learned. I had a passion for teaching. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I had a lot of great teachers and a lot of great influencers from an early age. I'm a first-generation American. My parents uh, and grandparents are Afro-Cuban. My parents were Cuban exiles. So when they came to this country, they didn't know the language. They had to learn how to really adjust quickly. Right now, we're in a time where we're hearing a lot about pivoting. But think about leaving everything that you know behind leaving your country and everything you know within a moment's notice and starting fresh somewhere else. My grandmother, she ended up becoming a a wonderful example. She started and successfully ran several businesses, bought her dream home before she passed away in her older age. And she taught me that as a woman, as an immigrant, as uh, someone who was a single mom because her husband couldn't come with her when she had to flee Cuba, that she did not let herself be defined by any of those boxes, that she created her own story, that what you can dream it, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. And I totally believe that because I've seen it and I've lived it. So now I help others to do just that. And after many years in the hospitality industry, um, years as a business development executive in the construction industry, I learned a lot about different personality styles, working as a woman in a man's world. And so I help women leaders, executives kind of redefine themselves, push the envelope, stretch the horizons. And that to me is is living the dream. I'm living the dream. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I am so excited to meet people who are living their dream um, and so happy to have you on the show today. Um, in our last episode, we talked about psychological safety with Karen Eber. And so the podcast is all about helping our rising leaders taking take it up a notch, right? We all want to elevate. Mm-hmm. We all want to do well in our careers. Um, and so it's really great yeah. to hear that you're passionate about reaching back and helping those, you know, navigate life and their professions um, because it's not always easy, right? Um, and we do often, Absolutely. yeah, run into a lot of different personalities and communication styles in the mm-hmm. workplace. And so um, I feel like communication is a skill that we can always like continuously be on a path of learning and growing for um, just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, like technology changes, people change, society's changing every single day. Um, so I'm excited Absolutely. to dive in um, and talk a little bit about communication um, with you today. Um, so what does effective communication look like in the workplace? Effective communication in the workplace, and I think in life, really, in general, because really the workplace, I think we're learning now that the workplace doesn't have to be that different to everyday life and how we navigate mm-hmm. everyday life. But it's about, I think, the four main steps of communication. Step one is you, the communicator, being clear, first and foremost, mm-hmm. on what is the idea you're trying to transmit. Step mm-hmm. two is understanding the person that you're trying to communicate to, understanding them and how they like to be communicated to, how best they absorb information, because that's going to maybe change the way you communicate the idea that you have in mind, that you clarify, right? Mm -hmm. Step three is delivering it, you know, just delivering it in the best way possible. And step four is giving that person the receipt point, time and space to actually digest it, to maybe comment, to maybe clarify if they don't fully understand, or just to acknowledge that, yes, I have received the message that you have sent. Yes. So it's that mm-hmm. simple, right? It's that yeah. simple. It, it sounds super simple. right? It was just that simple, but it is that simple. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. add all these things to it, all the additives mm-hmm. that, just kind of mess with our frequencies, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so how often have you practiced these four steps? You, I'm sure that you feel like you've mastered them at this point in your career. I don't think, um, you know, I think that the day you stop learning is the day you die. So I, I you know, <laughs> master, I think that I'm, I'm really skilled at it, but I, I think that, you know, I always hope to learn more and to get better and better. Um, but I use it every day. So my first job, my first real job in the hospitality industry was as a singing waitress oh, in New York wow. City. Okay. That's fun. That sounds so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. I was 18 years old. I was living alone in New York City, trying to, you know, struggling to survive mm-hmm. in New York City. We can think as a, as a young woman. And mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about restaurant work, but I knew how to sing. I had gone to NYU for theater, so I knew that I could nail the audition. Mm-hmm. But I had to, you know, embellish my my resume a little bit because I hadn't really <laughs> ever waited a table in my life, right? Mm-hmm. But it was working in that. And, and by the way, I did get the job because of, I could sing, not because I fooled the manager. <laughs> <laughs> But I always, I, I, I'm not a parent myself, but I love to work with young people and I love to work with, with teenagers. And I always, 
offer to parents that, that if they can, they should have their child work somewhere in a hospitality, mm-hmm. you know, field. Because you learn so much about communication, having yeah. to deal with different people from, especially New York City, I dealt with people from all over the world, yep. different mm-hmm. communication styles. And I knew right away that if I wanted to be successful in hospitality, I had to learn to flex. I had to yeah. flex. I had to learn to read people and I had to learn to communicate so that I could make them feel like they were at home really engage them because all the best servers that made the best money, that's what they did. They were engaging. And so I learned really quickly that A, that was important and B, that if I could master it, I would be successful. So that really important thing to learn early on in life. Okay. Awesome. And so I know you mentioned previously that you are um, an expert in facilitating the DISC assessment, right? Yes. All right. So I love DISC. Okay. <laughs> so what is DISC? I love DISC. <laughs> Tell our audience a little bit about DISC. What is it? How can we leverage it to communicate better at work, in our personal lives? Yeah. Just tell us a little bit. Sure, about sure. I mean, you know, this is a, a subject of a half-day and sometimes multi-day training that I do. So don't don't feel bad if, if, it, if you don't get it all in, in one five minute explanation, but basically, basically it's, it's an assessment. It's a tool. And I always say that it's a tool. It's not the be all end all. You've got to really get to know your people, but it is a great tool to understanding different people's behavioral styles. Not, it's not a personality test and a full assessment is the best way to really know where somebody sits on this. But DISC is based on four basically four behavioral styles. Now you can say, Mitch, you know, but sometimes, you know, don't we, don't we have maybe a little bit of all, or, you know, maybe two and you can, you can, but when stuff hits the fan, you generally default to one and the disc D I S C stands for each one of those behavioral styles. The D being either dominance or some people call it the driver. That's, you know, the person that is very um, forceful or forceful is a word that some people may use. I don't always think it's forceful, but it could be somebody who's just very much um, pushing it through results oriented, get her done, get her done. Get her done. That's the D, right? Yep. Yep. Super direct. Yep. Very direct, and they can be a little impatient, you know, so each style has, you know, um, their strengths and their weaknesses. So the D is very much can be a great leader, but they can be a little impatient, and that sometimes doesn't make them a great leader, right? So the I in DISC is for either influential or inspiring, some people will call it, and that's the person that really leads by just what it says, inspiring by mm-hmm. making connections. They've never met somebody that's a stranger, you know, yep. for the perfect mm-hmm. salesperson, right? They're, they're yes. very chatty cappies. <laughs> they're entertaining. Oh, they're yes. the party. Yes. The I, right? <laughs> yes. And the I, and the I is so great because of that, because they are so light and lively. But again, strengths and weaknesses, the I can be a little bit dispersed because they have so many ideas and their attention can easily stray. Mm-hmm. And they can, you know, have a little difficulty with the attention to details. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know yep. somebody like that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have a great friend who has falls in that I quadrant. Um, she is absolutely amazing um, and is so energetic all of the time. And I'm like, if I could just have a little bit of that just energy a- <laughs> <laughs> to carry me through the second part of my day, I would be amazing. <laughs> That definitely sounds like an eye. And the eye, it's like the butterfly. Sometimes you got to pin them down like, whoa, slow down. Let's get back to the agenda. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, the S in disc, my husband. Okay. The the opposite of me, slow and steady. The S is for steadiness. Mm-hmm. It's it's a more submissive. Some people may see it as submissive, but really what they're doing is they are allowing space for others to to succeed and to feel welcome. The S, I always say HR, you know, the, the natural born HR director, right? They want to take care of everybody. They want to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. in the team feels accepted and engaged and, and you know, they're slow to respond sometimes and slow to react because they want to be so mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That everything is unperfect and that they don't upset anybody. And so strengths and weaknesses, right? That's our strength. But the weaknesses, they can sometimes suffer from paralysis from over-analysis. <laughs> and you're laughing. Does that hit like, Yeah. That definitely hits home. I think when uh, we took the DISC assessment before, I think we were pretty aligned, me and, uh, me and Jasmine. So Yeah. And so I um, recently took the DISC assessment. Um, for mm-hmm. work and fell into that S quadrant for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely say I like for everyone to feel like they're welcomed <laughs> and like they have a voice in the room. Yes, um, exactly. I definitely like to take that consultative approach and to maintain like a certain like level in my tone. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. Naturally, I, I think my tone is pretty calm and I, I don't like to freak anyone out. Even if I'm delivering bad news, it's kind of like I'm, I'm nice <laughs> exactly. and steady in my speech. Yeah. Um, so everyone can like digest the information the way that they need to. And that's what I love about the S's. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is, it's so, it's, it's exactly, you said it. Your goal is to exude a calming effect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've run up against a lot of HR directors that are in that, you know, S or C. The C is the compliant. It's mm-hmm. the very super hyper detail oriented, facts and figures, <laughs> black or white. They can suffer a little bit from if there's a moral dilemma, not not knowing how to stray from the rules. Uh, yeah. The problem is sometimes life isn't black or white, right? So with the right. C, the C struggles with that because yeah. it's it's no, if it's not written, it's not true. If it's not in black and white, it's either A or B, and it's like no, but sometimes it's A and a half. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then that's okay. Right. <laughs> and that's okay for it to be. And so, to my understanding, the top half of the quadrant is. Um, considered to be more of like the assertive personality or behavior style, right? And the rest, the bottom half is more responsive. And so for me, when I took the DISC assessment, I fell in the S category, but then I was my second one. And so it was interesting for me to, I don't know, look at how I could be assertive and responsive and then fall on that people-oriented side. And so what does that even mean? <laughs> That's a great question. And, you know, 
again, remember that it's a tool and we flex. And when I say we flex, I mean that sometimes mm -hmm. we can exhibit certain behavioral traits in work, let's say, that are different than at home or maybe culturally. And we were talking about diversity before, right? That culturally you are an S, but you grew up with very strong personalities around you and you were kind of forced to flex into a D, mm. into a more directive style or a more, a more I, which is, again, as you said, very open and, and out there, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we flex depending on who's around us, what's around us, and what our influences are. Mm -hmm. But the S mm -hmm. and the I, I think are great. You know, that's a really nice mix because you're, you're, you're very friendly and effusive, but you're also very um, careful to consider all the feelings where the eye, straight eye can just be kind of like, what? What's <laughs> <laughs> on their mind, you know, think about it, regret it later. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but yes, you know, the, the, what I love about DISC is that it's really simple, even without a deep assessment, to quickly categorize because you have four clues. And if okay. you know those four clues, mm -hmm. you can spot pretty much where somebody is. And the clues are, are they fast or slow? Okay. Are they direct or indirect? Mm -hmm. Are they open or guarded? Mm -hmm. And are they people oriented or task oriented? Okay. Those are your four clues. So a D and an I, fast pace. Mm -hmm. S and a C, slower pace. Yeah, yeah. The D mm -hmm. is very direct, but they're guarded. They're direct, but they're guarded. Mm -hmm. and they're very task-oriented. An I is very direct, very open, very people-oriented. Uh -huh. So mm -hmm. they can struggle a little with the tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and the S, the S is slow and steady, so they're slow-paced. Okay. They mm -hmm. are also, they're open. They, they love people, right? You get them in a conversation and they will tell you their life story, but they're indirect. You don't always know how they feel. Not because they're trying to be sneaky, yeah. because they don't <laughs> want to bother anybody. They don't want to impose on anybody with their problems. So you're going to have to pull it out of them sometimes. How you doing? Fine. Are you really <laughs> fine? Fine. And then after asking a couple of times, you pull out the, they're not so fine. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So they're. They're open once you get them to open up, but they can, they can be indirect. And then they're very, they're very people oriented. The C, task oriented, slow, mm -hmm. very steady, mm -hmm. indirect, and guarded. Okay. Mm. Awesome. So a C is great and feels fun and feels like life is good if they're sitting in a room with paperwork, spreadsheets, facts and figure, your <laughs> IT person, your engineer, you know, uh. just. Somebody else deal with the people. Let me just deal with the facts and figures. <laughs> yeah. Is there any research around um, maybe duos that like work best together? Like maybe like the D and the C work best together or the I and the S. Is there any research around that? Oh, there's so much research. I mean, you know, DISC has been around for, a you know, over a century. So, um, yes, I'm sure there is. But I will say that what works best together depends on the environment. Okay. Mm. And it depends on the need, right? So if you're trying to build the perfect team, you might need a little bit of all of it, but it depends on the task. You know, if you're trying to build a great sales force, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. You might need a lot of that I and the D, you know, and, and then in the, in the back of the house, you know, the I's and the C's, I mean, you know, they can work together, but if you can keep them on track together, right? So it just depends. Like I'm, I'm a high I, high D, my husband's an SC. We balance each other out wonderfully. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Also really good dating, a great dating tip, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. Um, well, I know you touched on this a little bit before. And so um, at the start of the podcast, I don't know, it was really on my heart to have um, an underlying focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion because it's so important to me. And so um, I know you mentioned before that maybe like um, you grow up and maybe you had the experience of growing up in a family and you were able to like be an S, right? Or, and then you step into a work environment that challenges you to be a D. Um, can you talk to us or maybe give me an example of maybe as a Latina woman, like what your experience has been and like finding your identity and learning like how to turn off and on certain parts of you, depending on mm. your environment. Ah, uh, we could just turn it on or off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the subject of my, my TEDx talk mm -hmm. that's called which box do I check? Mm -hmm. And you can and you can find that on YouTube or on the TED channel. But which box do I check? Was basically about that. About you know sometimes we're born in a box. Sometimes people put us in these boxes, and we think you know this is this is who I am, and we're defined by those boxes. Being you know of Cuban parents, first generation American, I had to kind of navigate and find who I was, because I grew up at a time when, first of all, you know, because I'm, I'm Afro-Cuban, I've got the curly hair, I've got the voluptuous hips. These are things I was told as a child were ugly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you looked on TV or you, you know, heard the radio, everybody had like the blonde, feathery hair, and that was a symbol of beauty. And even in the Latin Americas, that white was deified. Mm -hmm. And so I always felt ugly. I felt out of place. I felt like if I was going to stand out, I was going to stand out because of me, because of my accomplishments, because I was going to be funny or I was going to be, you know, out there and, you know, entertain. And perhaps when we're talking about how does, how does one flex into being a D or an I or an S or a C, perhaps, you know, that did kind of bolster my, the I in me. But I grew up, you know, and, and I think a lot of Hispanic, Latin, and, and Black women, too, I think that you, you can say, I grew up with some strong females, mm -hmm. really Absolutely. strong females. Sometimes we're called fiery. Sometimes we're called feisty. Yeah. It's like yeah. culturally, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Culturally, we're seen as these, like, oh, the feisty, fiery women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's because that is culturally and situationally what these women had to be like my grandmother she had to stand up she was a single mom she had to stand up and be strong and so I grew up around so many strong women that I felt like if I wasn't direct I wouldn't get heard exactly <laughs> that is I didn't get word in the house. <laughs> so it's funny I've started to talk about and think about how does this relate culturally and I think that you know my my in-laws they are, you know, Southern, they grew up, you know, South Georgia, um, the women were very polite, oh, bless her heart, but we all know what bless her heart means, right? <laughs> and this is just my opinion, but I feel like they were, they were kind of 
educated and groomed to be more more quiet, more subtle, more, you know, don't stand up and say what's really on your mind. Don't be too directive. That's not ladylike, which is not my experience as a, as a Hispanic woman, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do think that culturally, sometimes, especially women, we are kind of put in a box, even in that disc mm-hmm. scale, where mm-hmm. you might be naturally a D, but you like get slapped in the hand every time that you reach your hand out to be direct. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you repress that. And that's where we get internal stress. When you're, you're one behavioral style, but you're kind of pushed or, or that is suppressed and you have to hold back, then you become maybe passive aggressive. Bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> and this is in no way to say that Southerners are passive aggressive or that all no. Latino women are firecrackers. Yes. But... Uh, <laughs> this is just my story, my experience. So I can't yes. represent everybody, but I think it's a really interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing to 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 think about more, uh, or you know how disc relates to cultural differences, especially mm-hmm. as women. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, now I do a lot of talks on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the boxes that we all put ourselves in. And I've been thinking about this a lot. And I, I think there's something to it. I yeah. mean, you, you tell me, have you seen this for yourself? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, on our very uh, our second episode of the podcast, we spoke with Deetra Giles. Um, and she gave really great examples of, yeah, how important it is to just own who you are, right? And mm-hmm. space will be made for you. Um, you don't have to pretend to be something else. You don't have to hold back um, and be less direct if, in that moment, you feel like being direct is the best way to get your message across. Um, and so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just want all of our rising leaders to feel empowered to be their authentic selves um, now more than ever, um, for sure. And so, Mitch, I'm curious. Now, there, there is, and there is a there is a time and a place for everything. And I will say that the, the important reason we learn DISC is not just so we know where we sit and we can be authentic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm being authentic. So I'm just, you know, crapping on people because I'm being me, right? And it's like, no, no, no. No, no, no. This helps you. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I want to make a point. Okay. That the importance of this is to learn how to adjust, how to Mm -hmm. adapt. That by learning where other people sit, you go, oh, I'm a D, this is an S. I got to slow down. Or I'm an S and I'm talking to a D. I'm trying to, you know, do a sales pitch to a D. I need to get to the point quickly, (laughs) you know? That you can adapt and you can communicate better. Yes. Going back to that original four-step program, right? The four-step communication cycle mm-hmm. is that you look at the person and you go, okay, where do they sit? And how do I have to approach them yeah. to really get my idea across? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think teams really need to take advantage of the DISC assessment, right? The predictive index. Um, It wasn't Mm -hmm. until I took the predictive index, and I know you took it as well with Susan, um, that I realized that, I don't know, there was this lady I was working with previously um, a little while back. We would just bump heads all of the time. And I'm like, like, I like her. She's a nice person. But like, man, she just storms in here and she just starts talking <laughs> at me. And I'm like, good morning. Um, and like, yeah. it, would rub me the- <laughs> it would rub me the wrong way. And I started to take it personally. But then like after taking the assessment and I don't know, having access to another level of self-awareness, I was like, oh, she just falls in a different quadrant than I do. I mm-hmm. need to 
pivot the way I communicate with her so that we can have a good working relationship. Um, so I definitely mm-hmm. agree with you uh, there, Mitch. It's all about adapting um, and being able to tailor um, our communication to the person that we're speaking with, um, for mm-hmm. sure. But going back yeah. to uh, cultural differences, is there any advice you would give to uh, someone who hasn't had a lot of exposure dealing with or working with people of different backgrounds or cultures? Oh, yes, yes. And, and that's one of the main things that I talk about when I, when I talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Inclusion, to me, being inclusion being the key. Because inclusion means that we're engaging each other. Mm-hmm. really engaging each other, really listening to each other's stories. So I always say, listen, if you have prejudice, if you have bias, we all do. So first off, let's just be aware of it, that we all have it. So recognize it and get out of your little box. <laughs> Go talk to people mm-hmm. that are different. Go travel. You can't travel right now? Get on a networking event virtually with somebody <laughs> from across the world. Watch movies documentaries, read books about the cultures that you don't know about. That is called increasing your, you know, we we talk about emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. EQ or EIQ. This is talking about increasing your cultural intelligence. Increase your cultural intelligence and you will be able to communicate with people from anywhere. I mean, it's really nice to learn, even learn one thing about somebody from a different religion, a different part of the world. And then you meet somebody and you go, oh, I know about this. And you can impress them by saying, you know, that you understand or know something about their culture. It's like, wow, you really Mm -hmm. cared. You really took time to learn about me and where I come from. Yeah. That means a lot. And that helps open up minds and open up understanding and awareness, Uh I think. Absolutely. And I know we're not in a place to go back to traveling at 100% the way we used to before, but travel is a really great way to like expose yourself to different environments and cultures as well. Um, It's one of my favorite things to do. And so I know people have started traveling again. Um, (laughs) I know um, I plan on taking a couple of trips, um, but you know, with everything That's playing awesome. out, yeah, the way that it is, it's, I don't know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are still feeling a little iffy about it. And so... They are, they are, and it, and rightfully so. So that's why I say, you know, if you join a professional organization, for example, like, you know, any anything within your organization, you can hop on networking events with people from across the country. That's the beauty and the advantage of the disadvantage of COVID, right? That it's mm-hmm. opened up this mm-hmm. virtual world. Yep. Where you can be talking to somebody from, you know, I did a TED talk and then I did a talk for India, oh, wow. for a wow. women's group in India. It was uh-huh. midnight when I was delivering. <laughs> <laughs> midnight my time. But my God, I reached all these people, all these women entrepreneurs on the other side of the world. So you can do it. You can network and connect up with people from the other side of the world and, and learn about them. Oh my God, just... Never stop learning Never and stop studying learning. different people. Yeah, I love that. I love it. <laughs> and so what do you have any tools or resources that you would recommend to our Rising Leaders group um, around communication? Well, definitely. Um, I mean, there's so much, right? There, there are books. There's so many books out now. And, you know, I'd say podcasts. I love listening to podcasts mm-hmm. from, from all different kinds of podcasts. 
Um, there's, you know, blogs, following blogs of people that you find interesting or, you know, just researching some cultural leaders and what they have to say. And I always say, listen to the things that you agree with and the things you disagree with. It's almost mm-hmm. as important yeah. to it listen important. and read about the things that you disagree or the viewpoint that you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to change your point of view, but at least you can understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from. Yeah. And, and the main tool that you can use for, for communication, I mean, DISC is great. You know, I'm, I'm happy to, to work with anybody on that. And, and there's many coaches and trainers out there that you can have come to your company and work with your teams. But I think that just really being aware of your own communication habits, mm-hmm. stopping and listening more and giving space for people to talk. Mm-hmm. I think just opening up your ears and listening more is the best tool. <laughs> Truly just getting just getting down to the basics of things is yeah, this is what I'm hearing. Just listening first, then speaking. Yeah. Talk less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know, like I found it to be helpful to like repeat things back. Like, so what I heard you oh, say yes. is X, Y, and Z. Just yeah. to make sure that I'm following correctly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like validation. It's like, okay, she is truly <laughs> listening to me. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yes, you know, Covey, Covey talks about that in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is probably like one of my main resources, one of the books mm-hmm. that, that really moved me the most when I started to, to go into management training. And he talks about not just saying, so what I'm hearing is, but there's also, so I get that you feel. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's reading between what they're saying, what you're hearing and saying, so are you saying that you feel blah? And whoa, like you just went another level there, right? Or, or just <laughs> even saying like, you know, sometimes when people are dealing with difficult conversations and somebody is coming and you've made a mistake, we all do. And somebody's coming at you and they're just like, ah, and there's nothing you can do about it because you know you made the mistake and all you can do is own it and apologize. But sometimes just a good, strong acknowledgement. You know, when I was a restaurant manager and somebody would be like, ah, in my face, and there was nothing I could do about it, sometimes the best answer was like, I understand. Or, yeah, that sucks. (laughs) And it's like, yes, you get me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, people just want to be heard at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And acknowledged. And acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Acknowledged. Let them know that you heard them. <laughs> yes. yes. Exactly. Well, Mitch, do you have any other tips for us um, before we go today? So tips for especially rising leaders. Yeah. Because I think, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm working on a book and it's called Volar, oh. which is the Spanish word for the, the fact of flying. Uh-huh. Volar. But it's also an acronym. Each letter stands for one of the steps in making even the seemingly impossible goal possible. But to put it all in a nutshell, it's about finding the advantage in your adversity because life is going to be full of adversity. But instead of sitting down and going, why? I always say when adversity hits you, don't ask why, ask what. Mm. Don't ask why, ask what. So when adversity comes your way, don't say, why me? Why now? Why, God? Why? Instead, <laughs> right? We've all been there. We've all done it. Yeah. Instead, ask what? What now? What 
Next, what am I supposed to learn from this adversity? And then what can I do to use this moving forward to help others? Mm. And you'll, you'll be successful no matter what happens to you if you approach adversity in that way. What now? What next? What can I learn from this? Yeah. What can I do to help others with this? And, and believe me, I believe that you get what you give. So if you mm. approach life with, I'm, how can I help others with this? The, the flows will just come back to you and you will never be in need of a good friend or help when you need it. <laughs> That's my biggest advice. <laughs> I believe that. That was amazing advice in a perfect way to end <laughs> our episode today, Mitch. Yes, it's truly a paradigm shift to go from why to what next, right? Because I think we can mm-hmm. very easily get trapped in the why. Like, why did this happen to me? But we really need to change and shift our perspectives and to think higher and to go down the path of, well, now what? Mm-hmm. Because life's not over. <laughs> I have to keep moving. Yeah, I gotta keep moving. Gotta keep moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Mitch, and for sharing all of your tips and tricks and knowledge about communication and the DISC assessment with our Rising Leaders group today. We truly appreciate you um, and would love to follow you if we can on social media or LinkedIn. So if you don't mind sharing any of your handles or the spelling of your name so that our Rising Leaders can find you on LinkedIn or your website or anything like that. Absolutely. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I said I live on LinkedIn, but you can um, you can follow my blog. I love to put little little videos and I have some videos with tips and, and cute ways to remember the disc um, behavioral styles on YouTube. So it's uh, YouTube uh, and my YouTube is is uh, Mitch Savoie Hill and that's uh, S-A-V-O-I-E-H-I-L-L and Sav hillconsulting.com is my website and that'll link you up to everything and if you go to LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram any of those it's all Sav Hill Consulting S-A-V-H-I-L-L consulting.com and you can even just actually schedule yourself some time to talk with me directly on your website so if you want to chat with Mitch you can (laughs) The Hey Rising Leader podcast was brought to you by the Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders. Sherman Atlanta is the premier professional community for those in human resources and people management. The Rising Leaders group represents Atlanta's HR professionals under the age of 35 and provides members with professional development opportunities and a common forum to share ideas and experiences. If you would like to join our community, please visit the Sherman Atlanta website or follow us on our social platforms at Rising Leaders ATL on IG or Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders on LinkedIn.